Welcome to The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Family Room. I'm John Gordon, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Mari Cleveland and Craig Wiesmeyer. How are y'all? Doing great. Thank you so much. How about you, Craig? Awesome. Well, as we say at The Quest, all good things begin with prayer. So if you don't mind, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for bringing us all together. And we thank you for blessing all of us with a wonderful guest Part of our life is to find our identity in you, and we just ask that you help us find out who we really are based on your love, based on your care, and we ask you to open our hearts to everything that our guest has to say to us today. And as always, we pray all of this in Jesus' name, and we ask for the intercession of St. John Paul II. Pray for us. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much, Craig. And as Craig said, we are so thankful that we've got um, experts out there who can help us with some of these big topics. And listeners, we've heard you and we know that you want to hear from experts who have biblical wisdom. And so here on The Family Room, we want to offer opportunities for each of us to be equipped and encouraged and supported. And so today our topic is around our identity in Christ and specifically how it equips us for relationships, especially the real ones that we face, like our marriages and our families. So, Craig, you brought us our guest today. Would you like to introduce our guest to us and our listeners? Yeah, I would love to. I've been uh, friends with Melissa Foley now for a number of years, and she's an author, retreat leader. She is also involved in a prayer and healing ministry. She is, most importantly, a wife and a mother. Melissa, welcome. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. Can you tell us more? I gave a brief background. Can you tell us more about yourself and let our listeners know more about you? Because you're definitely an expert in a number of areas. (laughs) I'm happy to do that. I wanted to, first of all, say hello to all the listeners out there. I hope you know (laughs) that I have been praying for this moment that God is able to speak to your hearts today. Um, So thank you for tuning in. We appreciate that. So uh, about me, okay, (laughs) I, um, I grew up as a, uh, as a, as a Protestant, I grew up as Assemblies of God and uh, it was quite a, it was quite an enjoyable upbringing actually, all the way up to when I was a a preteen, we were focused on learning in the church, learning how to hear the voice of God. Mm. In fact, our, our, our youth ministry leaders, that's the only thing that they focused on. How do you hear his voice? What does he sound like? What does he do? So Holy Spirit and I were best friends for a long time. Um, unfortunately, I mean, as many of you know, we um, have some some stigma in the Catholic Church, maybe a lot of misunderstandings yeah. about what we believe, right? And so as I was growing up, there were some misunderstandings about the Catholic Church at that time. Well, when I was about 15, you know, my most rebellious stage, uh, I decided that I was going to go to a Catholic mass. 
and the reason was, is the cutest guy in high school. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. He was Catholic. I heard through the grapevine that he was Catholic. And I thought, what? One more day to see this amazing looking guy. Right. And uh, <laughs> God's really funny. So, um, but what was really interesting is I, I walked into that very first Catholic church. I was scared to death. I thought ever, I thought I was going to be, you know, I don't know what was going to happen to me, but I remember praying for protection and all kinds of things. And I, I walked into the church and was immediately overcome with the sacredness and the beauty mm. of the physical church, right? These candles and the table and the gold box with the key in it. Uh, I had no idea what any of that meant, but I knew I knew without a shadow of a doubt that two things that God would totally hang out here was my first thought. <laughs> God, God would be here. Number one. And number two was, wait a second. He is here. And so as a 15 year old, um, I knew Jesus's body was in the building without a shadow of a doubt. And I think it was because thanks be to God, the, the, all of the time that was spent with me as a child and growing up, knowing who the Holy spirit is, knowing God's spirit and then encountering his body. It was just an instantaneous conversion. Right. Yeah. So I go home to my mom who's standing at the front step, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to be Catholic. Yay. <laughs> and there was great rejoicing. Oh, she's like over my dead body. Are you being Catholic? <laughs> so she thought it was a phase. Right. But, but here I am. Right. Here I am. Just, a, just a few years later. Just right? a couple. Great. <laughs> no, Five. just a couple. Five, ten, ten years later. later. A few years later. Um, a few years later, here I am. But, right, uh, growing up, I, I had a really uh, difficult, actually, childhood growing up. And that's probably why my connection with God was so strong. I really needed him. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a father who was an alcoholic. My mother had mental illness and they divorced when I was five. Mm-hmm. And so just the aban- the feeling of abandonment and rejection yep. as, a, as a kiddo, um, to begin to, to know that God was always there. He was always there. Uh, I could talk to him and, and he could, and he could show me how much he loved me. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of, um, learning about God's love, how he loves people. And that's how I, long story short, ended up here as a retreat leader, and a healing and prayer minister. So I spend a lot of my time praying with with people who are hurting and watching how God loves them. That's a beautiful story. That is great. And it really, it, it makes complete sense that he would bring you here and that we would have a chance to talk to you about this because we're in the family room talking about marriages and um, to be that in tuned and, and to help us think very practically about that. I, I wanted to ask a question though, so we're going to talk about identities um, and, and scripturally it says two individuals, two people shall become one, right? So it says a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. And there's a little segment in there that nobody ever knew about. And it said a man shall leave his mother and father Get every issue he's had since the day he was born, <laughs> pack it in a bag full of emotions and bring it to his wedding. 
How, that, was that the original Greek? I, it's a, I think the Septuagint has... Anyway, but, but you get my gist, right? So there's all this baggage. So there's individuals that come, but it's not just these two individuals. It's individual and all the baggage. Talk to us a little bit about like what that, how that works in marriage. Oh, okay, John. Recently... I'm just going to tell you all about this right now. Okay. Recently, I went on a five-day retreat just by myself. Silent five-day retreat. Wow. Good for you. And uh, I didn't know what our Lord was going to do. You never know what he's going to do. But interestingly enough, he said, uh, I want you to go get that big Tupperware box of all your stuff when you were a kid that's up in your garage that you've never opened purposely. Yeah. I want you to go get that box and I want you to bring it down and we're going to talk about what's in that box. And I was like, no, (laughs) anything but that box. (laughs) My mom had packed a box that had things from uh, when I was an an infant. Well, actually their marriage all the way up through college. It was one Tupperware box that had my name that has my name written on it in capital letters. And I had never opened it. I put it in the top of my garage. But anyway, so I opened the box and sitting right on top of the box is my parents wedding album. Okay, so I just got finished telling you about my parents. Okay, yes. two people that really should not have been married. That's sitting right on the on the uh, top of this box. So God's basically saying, "Okay, we're starting here. We're starting here." Wow. So uh, I open the wedding album, and the very first thing that I see is a beautiful picture of my parents at the end of the altar. It's like a shot of of all the way down the aisle, yep. right? And they're at the they're at the end of the altar, and a beautiful stained glass of the resurrected Christ hovering, seemingly in approval <laughs> over them. And I'm like, "What is this?" Right? And I have to tell you, you know, it was. It was looking at that in that moment. I, I, I said to my, I said to God, it didn't have to be this way. Mm. Didn't have to be. Why these two? Why did you have to? Why did you bring them together? Right. With all of their baggage. I mean, they had like, they had like luggage carts. <laughs> it wasn't even like <laughs> one bag. Yeah. Moving trucks. <laughs> Both them with moving trucks, right? Uh And it was so beautiful, of course, because uh, the father said, well, you know, I wouldn't have had you. (laughs) You were going to say that? You knew the punchline. You knew the father's punchline. I wouldn't have had you. And I wanted you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I knew that they had all this. I knew that they had all this going on. But I wanted you. And I knew from the day I first thought of you that I was never going to leave you. I was never going to abandon you. I was going to pour all my love and all my attention, all my focus on you and that you were going to be okay. In fact, you're going to be better than just okay. Right. Okay. So here's my parents and they, they have this baggage and they're trying to deal with that. They have a very difficult time. They raised me and then I come into my marriage with some of their bags, now some of my own bags, right? We are born into a hurting world. Mm. And it's up to us, right, with the help of God, whether we are going to continue that hurt or we are going to choose to spread God's love to other people. And that's the choice that we have every day, every day in our marriages, every day in in our relationships, our children. That's the choice that we have to make. But all wrapped in there is an awesome message of hope. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love that part about 
guess what? It was always about you, right? And so God's saying, you're going on this retreat. I want you to pull this box down because I want you to, re- I want to remind you of how significant, how special you are mm-hmm. in this story. Wow. That's beautiful. Even that he would show me that he was hovering above their yeah. n- nuptials, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. because to be honest with you, for the longest time, I really felt like I shouldn't have you know, like I, it shouldn't, I shouldn't have, this should never have happened. Mm -hmm. My parents, Mm -hmm. therefore I shouldn't have happened. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Maybe there are listeners out there who have that same feeling. Like I just never should have been, Mm -hmm. you know, but God loves to tell you your story and that it's a story of redemption. Like that's what he came to do. So it's not just about being born into a hurting world. I recently heard someone who said, you know how there's like laws of gravity and laws of inertia and all that. And and he said, I wish that we could change the law of pain. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, we had, God has, (laughs) he's done that, but it's, it's that we don't know our Mm -hmm. story. That's the, right. That's the piece there. We just don't know our story. So what you were talking about, Melissa, is that you realized that you weren't necessarily worthy of being right. You weren't Uh worthy of being here. Uh You weren't worthy of God's love. You weren't worthy. We always feel like we have to prove it, earn it, do something to get it. You know, you're looking at the very beginning of your parents' marriage and going, I shouldn't even been here. And yet at the same time, um, there's so much more to that as well. So we've learned that we're not worthy of it, but we, we are. So, so tell us more about that and, and just hold one second before you tell us listeners, if you were just tuning in, you were listening to AM 1160, the quest, and you were listening to the family room. And we invite you to come join us here on the couch in the family room. We're getting to hear from our guest here today, Melissa Foley on a really important topic, that topic of who we are in Christ, our identity and how our identity in him then equips us for relationships. So Melissa, we're right at the beginning of that identity, right? Where we're talking about Sometimes we don't feel like we're actually worthy at all or worthy of love. And we've got to do something about that, something to prove it or earn it. When I look back on my childhood and maybe, you know, you can relate to this. I was really all about earning God's love, Mm -hmm. earning uh, other people's love. Um, because I didn't know about God's love. And right. so, um, I mean, I was like a type a, um, you know, real go getter, very much a go getter, very much in control. Um, number one at anything and everything that I tried that I tried, mm-hmm. I was busy. I was a perfectionist. Um, and on the outside, uh, I would, you would have looked at me and thought, wow, that girl's got it, really got it together. Look at her. And on the inside, it was, it was not the case. It was not the truth. The truth was I was wearing myself out trying to earn my worthiness Mm -hmm. to just be right. I was just trying to prove that I was worth something. Mm -hmm. I was recently praying with a young mom Uh, who grew up in an abusive uh, household. Her father was abusive and her mother was permissive of it. Um, And a lot of times when the wheels start coming off is when you have your first baby. Tell me if that's, if you haven't experienced that quite yet, but that first baby is a doozy. And she had had her first baby and also lived very much like I did, right? 
perfectionist, worked in the school, speech pathologist, the baby's six week old, and she's like going back to work. Um, and she was taken out of the school in an ambulance, <gasps> had a complete total meltdown. Wow. And you know what? She called me and she's like, I don't understand why I can't just keep it together. I'm like, mm. what? How? Okay. We are. I mean, I'm just, I'll talk to the women just for a moment. Men, you have your, your ways of being also, but women, we put all this pressure on ourselves that we have to be everywhere and do everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first time I saw this lady in in my, uh, my daughter's second grade classroom, she made the most amazing snacks for the second grade. (laughs) Monogrammed buckets of homemade snacks that were overflowing and snack I'm like shaming. Snack it shaming. was a snack shaming yes. challenge thrown down the right? Pinterest <laughs> boards were you know on fire it was like we you know it, when I saw that you know you see things like that and you say to yourself I am not a good mother I'm just not a good mom good mothers make their kids monogram snacks in second grade you know not look every, this lady is very gifted so I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying for me, it wasn't what God was asking me. He clearly yeah. didn't give me the talent of making amazing <laughs> monogram sex, but, but it's like in these moments where, and maybe you guys can, you know, have examples too of men, how men compare their, c- compare themselves and say, well, I must not be a good provider. I must not be a good husband or a good father because I see this other man killing it over here, but little do you know on the inside what's happening to him. Or it creates a hyper competitiveness where it drives us to be something that maybe to your point earlier, you know, we're not meant to be. So I'm competing against a shadow off in the distance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now I get, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So over time, right. Learning about, um, who, who I am, like a deeper reality of, of who I am as an adopted daughter of God Uh, It allowed me to settle into this idea that I can just uh, be, I can just be that because of God's love, it affords me the ability to just rest in who he made me to be and what he's calling me to and not really looking up and out and around and looking for people's approval and trying to get my worth from somewhere that it's really ultimately doesn't come from. So can you segue that into, um, we talked about identity to start the show. And what I loved about a couple of things you said, a lot of what you said, I love, but one of the things you talked about was truth. You talked about the truth about yourself. Um, pretty obvious to the world we live in today, truth has been redefined. We don't know our own gender. I mean, something as simple as gender, we don't know what that is. Something as simple as, um, who God is, we don't know who that is. Well, it appears to me and just some of the things that by the grace of God, I've been able to do with spiritual direction or with study, you know, a lot of it is who is God really? Because to your point, if I have a father that's dysfunctional in some way, it's really hard for me to relate to that. So in your working with people in various degrees, in your beloved retreats, things like that, Talk about identity from a standpoint of truth, because, again, men and women are very different, right? So is it okay to be a man in a marriage with the identity God gave me? Is it okay for the woman to be who she is and the identity God gave me? And 
making the question a little more complex, how does God help you parse through all of that? How does he penetrate and let you know who you are? So I don't know if you saw recently, uh, there was like a post, a video on Facebook that was, I think from Matt Walsh, he was, it was of a mother who was videotaping her daughter at a playground and she was asking her daughter, are you a girl or a boy? Did you see this? I don't know if you saw no, this video. No. She's like, are you a girl or a boy? She, little girl, six years old. And she's like, I don't know. Am I a girl or a boy? The little girl said the that. little girl said that. And the mother is pressing the little girl. Are you a girl or a boy? And it's causing a little confusion in the girl. And she's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm a boy. And the mother continues on. And finally, the girl stops her. And the little girl says, I just don't know who I am. Mm. And I thought, oh, that that phrase right there. Children are pretty good at being able to communicate that that um, existential question. Mm -hmm. Right. Who yeah. am I? Mm -hmm. And people who are suffering can can very come pretty close to actually just saying it. I don't know who I am. Most of the time, what we see are really behaviors or indicators that people have no idea who they really are. OK, um, for example, the woman I told you about that was at the school, right? This new mom, mm -hmm. working mom, brand new mom, brand new marriage, right? She's working herself to death, trying to do everything. And that's an indicator that she she isn't very secure in who she is. Um, because she's striving in a way that is similar to like uh if you see yourself in your life grasping for something, mm -hmm. it's like the garden. Yeah. What do you do? Right. She reached out and grasped that that action of grasping is most likely not the will of God for you. And so here she is. She's grasping. Right. She's grasping like I've got to be the best at this. I've got to be the best at that. As opposed to someone who really knows who they are. Mm -hmm. um, your spirit is a little bit more at peace, more at being, I am a daughter of God and that's the, or a son of the father. And that's the basis, the foundation for our decisions that we make mm -hmm. uh, for everything, how we see the world. It's like we put these glasses on that are God's glasses that all of a sudden become crystal clear. Wait a second. Am I being called to go back to work with a six week old? Am I now before that question is not asked the question, the wondering, the being able to receive what God is asking of you. It's just it's the question's not there because the drive and the grasping is so intense. But when you're able to sit back and rest and say, you know what? Uh, God loves me. My husband loves me for who I am, right? I need to be the best mom that this baby needs. What's what's right? What's right in this moment? It's a different, it's a totally different way of being. And a lot of times people say, oh, Melissa, really? You're gonna tell me being a child of God is like gonna solve all my problems? <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Melissa, here on the family room, what we want to do is we want to equip our listeners. We said that, right? Mm -hmm. So I love what you're saying to me because, or saying to all of us, I feel like it's just me, <laughs> right? Each one of us, right? Listeners, you too. I'm sure everybody's on the edge of their seat saying, she's just talking straight to me because we all are experiencing this. We all, we have experienced this. And so what you're, what, what I hear you saying is if you look at your life 
And if you think about what's going on in your life right now, if you're doing a lot more grasping and striving and achieving and there's not peace, then maybe you're not fully in the, your identity as a child of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you are still achieving, maybe you could still be achieving, but you're at peace and there's balance and you're feeling called instead of driven to do something and you're actually giving space for that question, like you just said, God, is this your will for me? Then maybe, maybe you are sinking in, you're resting in his love. You're mm-hmm. resting in the ability to, to do what he wants in your life. Is that way, is that, or is that one of the ways that we can be taking what you're saying and definitely because, it? right. Because what, what ends up happening is all along the way we start collecting when we're children because of hurts or traumas or even it's very small things that can impact this. So it's not even big things, but we, we begin to collect, um, lies about who we are, Mm. um, lies about who we are. So we don't, we're functioning in the background, this like background operating system of ourselves. It takes a lot of energy to keep these lies going. Um, and so a lot lies can be, um, I'm not a good mother. Um, uh, I'm never going to be a good mother. I'm not going to be a good wife. I'm all alone. There's, I never make right decisions. Um, the lies go on and on and on. And, you know, the enemy um, really loves to reiterate those to us. Mm-hmm. So part of the practical part of it, I, th- I think is the awareness, like sitting back and like just being aware. What, it, what am I telling myself about mm. this circumstance, this scenario? What am I telling myself? <laughs> what do I hear? Uh, what do I hear? Does that make sense? Just practically? Yeah, Yeah, that's that's really helpful. That's very helpful. So we're going to be heading to break in just a minute. And um, listeners, as you're you're listening, you're listening to AM 1160, The Quest, your Catholic radio station here in Atlanta. And we have our guest, Melissa Foley, on with us. And our topic today is our our identity. Melissa is talking to us about, you know, who am I and our identity in Christ and how it equips us if we are able to walk into our identity this way. How does it equip us for relationships? Um, so we, we also want to let you know, listeners, this is part one of a two part, uh, series with Melissa, because as you can tell, this is very foundational, this conversation, we're already getting to some really deep things, but we want to go even deeper. And so, uh, part one is, is this foundation. And then right after the break, we'll get into more of this. And then we'll tell you about part two as well. But, but we want you to know that you will be getting to hear a lot more from Melissa, Um, So, Melissa, right after we come back from break, we're also going to ask you our question. We ask every guest here on The Family Room, we're going to ask you about your own uh, favorite memories and thoughts um, of activities you've done in your family room. So we'll ask you that right after our break. So listeners, please stay tuned for more of this great conversation on identity and identity in Christ. And we will be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments on The Quest. Do you have a friend or family member who's seeking to grow in their spirituality? Know someone who's fallen away from their faith? Why not invite them to listen to AM 1160 The Quest? We offer a wide variety of the most prominent voices on Catholic radio. There are four great ways to listen to The Quest. On your radio at AM 1160, online at thequestatlanta.com, on your smart speaker, and on the Quest Atlanta app. Please invite a friend to listen to AM 1160 The Quest today. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? 
Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Listening to AM 1160 The Quest at home just got easier. Join The Quest with Alexa. Search for us on the Alexa app or say, Alexa, enable the Quest skill. After enabling the skill, simply say, Alexa, open the Quest. Now joining the Quest. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Is your life so fast that you cannot see a sunrise or sunset? or pass one of these places in the country that have all kinds of little flowers. Have you ever stopped and God just walked through them and said, our God is wonderful. So you're so caught up in gadgets. Rush, 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 rush. And you're living and you're not living. And you're getting older, but you won't admit it. I have a real problem with somebody to hold are you to say, but I don't talk about my age. <laughs> well, if you let me guess, it's going to be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Please join us in a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. You can take AM 1160 The Quest with you no matter the location. Listen live any time of day, discover community resources, and submit prayer requests at thequestatlena.com. The Quest presents A Daily Dose of Virtue with Jay Tremonti from Venture with Virtue. Do you find it easy to do the right thing? What about when no one's looking? Making good decisions and acting on them is what virtue is all about. But the pressure of stress, temptation, and vice constantly try to pull us away from doing the right thing. That's when we're at our weakest. Do you wish there was something to help you overcome these weaknesses, make a good decision, and do the right thing? Good news, there is. It's called accountability. Sometimes our desire to be virtuous and do good is not enough for us to actually do the right thing. Having a friend or family member hold us accountable can make all the difference. When we know we have to answer to someone else for our decisions and actions, we actually think more critically, make a good decision, and act in line with the person we want to be, even when we're weak. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig on AM 1160, The Quest. 
you are here with us in the family room. We are we are talking to our guest today, Melissa Foley, about identity, especially our identity in Christ. And right before the break, we did promise Melissa that we wanted to ask her the question that we ask every guest here on the family room, which is we would love to hear a favorite memory or a favorite activity uh, in your family room. Okay, are you ready for this? It's actually embarrassing. Oh, is that okay? That's really good. Like if my ears don't get a little hot, it's no good. <laughs> oh, you all can appreciate this so much being in a family room. Uh, one about oh gosh, maybe maybe five years ago or so, my husband and I were sitting on the couch and we were having an argument, and I was so mad at him for nothing. Actually, literally nothing. And um, and he asked me, "Are you are you feeling okay?" And of course, that Ooh. also makes me mad and so because I was having PMS that day (laughs) and I said well it could be my PMS and he said you look normal on the outside how am I supposed to tell that you don't feel right (laughs) on the inside and so in that moment he stands up and he said I have an idea I want us to to order some emoji magnets from Amazon and we're going to use these emoji magnets and we're going to put them on the refrigerator door. So whatever you're feeling in any given moment, I'll know. And of course, in my fury, I was like, fine, you know, and so I'm ordering the magnets within two minutes. They're here tomorrow. So sure enough, we get these emoji magnets and it's there's a frame and it says today I feel right. And then you put these different emoji magnets on the refrigerator and it ended up being the most amazing thing. I mean, of course, I'm changing them all the time. Yeah, you know. all the yeah. Yeah, we, we understand. Right, and the guy's emoji magnet. Is the, the straight line, exactly, straight line, the whole, exactly. t- whole time. Yeah. Today I'm here. What's your question? <laughs> well, it's funny because my son, our son at the time was about 17. And so he's, his head's in the refrigerator constantly, right? So he would be holding onto the refrigerator handles and be like, mom, what, why are you sad? You know, (laughs) mom, I don't even know what this emotion is, you know? So now my son's emotional quotient or whatever that is is amazing. Yes. He has so many feeling words, guys. Yes. Lots of feeling words. His future wife is going to thank you for the emoji magnets. Okay. (laughs) Listeners, there's another check for you. Emoji magnets for your refrigerator. Awesome. Practical, very practical. Very practical. Okay, and so I've got to say, I do love that story, Melissa, because you just made it very clear to our listeners what we're going to be doing here on The Family Room. We're going to be being gut honest. We're going to be all out there. Whatever you've got going on in your family room, we invite you here in our family room because we're going to be talking about things that are real, things that are real. Yeah. And we just want you to introduce yourself on a call in with your emoji magnet. Yeah, right. Hi, I'm feeling sad. So that's awesome story. And it really, um, I want to go back to something that you said before the break, though, if I could, Melissa, because you were talking about grasping and and Mara, you summarized it really well. Like if this is what you're seeing, maybe it's not right. And you talked about, we get lies. We are told lies. We, we maybe tell ourselves lies. Um, All of that was you're kind of saying there's a wrong identity, there's a wrong identity. Kind of focus in on that whole right, wrong identity piece for us a little bit, if you don't mind, please. Okay. Well, some of the... The, the enemy is not very creative when it comes to the lies that he tells us, right? We all pretty much have been the recipient of pretty mm-hmm. much the same lies. Right. So, which is good, right? I mean, you're not alone <laughs> in your lies. 
But there are some major, major ones that I think that we can relate to. One, I am what I do. Mm-hmm. Right. I am what I do. Mm-hmm. That's a really uh, significant lie that motivates us, especially Americans. Um, it's acceptable in a lot of ways to uh, be what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Big time man identity, too. Oh, we look yes. at that ourselves a lot. So I appreciate you bringing that one up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the first question people ask? So what do you do? Right. That's the very first thing people ask. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what are we going to do now? How are we going to respond to this now? That we know our <laughs> do you know who you are? That should be our first. Yeah, I had a cocktail party. Do you know who you are? What's the emotion uh, for that? I yeah, know. I don't know. Question, question mark. <laughs> um, the, another one is you are what you have. Mm-hmm. Right? right. You, you're, you identify yourself with that. I, I am what I have. Another one is I... I am how I feel, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, not true, not true. Our feelings come and go, uh, that we, we have actually very little control over how we feel about things. They are not our identity. We feel them and that's, uh, they, they serve really good purposes, right? God gave us feelings. That's really good, but it's not who we are. And they change, right? That's the other thing is that they're, totally. they're fluid. Right. <laughs> very, like very. My very magnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, aren't your emotions kind of tied to your identity in a lot of cases too? There's that brokenness behind an emotion a lot of times that to your point, now I'm angry at you for something you just said or did, but what you said or did really shouldn't make me angry, but it's my association to an emotion somewhere else that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, definitely. Usually it's not about what it's about. If I were to summarize what you just said, <laughs> it's That's not profound. about what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Another one is um, I'm not what other people say or think about me. Mm-hmm. Um, many times, I mean, it just kind of goes back to the worthiness that you were talking about, too. Um, if someone, you know, back before I really went through a, a tremendous healing process, I was, uh, my, my day could have been made or broken based on an email, Mm. based on a a phone call, a bad conversation, right? Something not going well. And we end up when we're living this, like way, these waves of, uh, letting the lies dictate what we do. It's like, we can have really high highs and really low lows because we're just not, you were, you're just not very stable when we are able to live, um, in concordance with your identity, it actually evens out your experience, your life experience. And because you still have bumps in the road, but they're not as dramatic. Mm -hmm. They're more like speed bumps, right? They're more like speed bumps because you can say, and I'll tell you how it sounds. Wow. That really bad email. I I don't know why that person sent me that email or maybe I deserved it. I don't know, but, um, but I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I know I am loved. Mm-hmm. I know that maybe I can do better in this particular area. I know that um, I can go home to my husband who loves me and who knows me. Uh, I know my heavenly father uh, will correct me mm-hmm. <laughs> when I need to be corrected. And mm-hmm. he's going to love me even in those tough moments. So it doesn't send me way down into some hole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. I have to work my way back up, but okay. more secure. How do people practically figure out 
with God who they are? Because you've mentioned, I hear God's voice. A lot of people say, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Or you say, God loves you. God loves you so much. But I don't believe it because I'm not worried. Kind of what um, Mari said originally. But I haven't earned his love yet. I haven't done these great things. I haven't done whatever. The scripture that stands out to me when I pray often is be still and know that I'm God. It says you don't have to do anything. Just be. Mm-hmm. Explain how God, if you would, as best you can in the, in the midst of all these discussions. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> how does God come to us in those kind of moments? And how do we accept you love me? Simply for who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, can we go back to John's first, the first conversation about our baggage, right? right? Because one of the most important things that you can know, I think, as a person is that your, your earthly, your human father, your biological father was only a father to you in the degree that he reflected the love of God, the father. Mm. That's right. That's profound. He was only a father to you in that, in the way he reflected God, the father's love, everything else, not God, the father's love. Mm. And that the experience that we have with our, our fathers, our, our human fathers, our biological fathers and our biological moms can really impact how we see God, the father, how we see Jesus, how we experience Holy spirit. Um, and my experience of God is that he really wants to tell you so desperately how he feels about you. Um, but Craig brings up an amazing point. I was told all my, all my life. Okay. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Okay. But rarely do we give people a space and teach them how for how God, for God to tell the person how he feels about them. Because isn't that the only thing that really matters? It's the only thing that matters. <laughs> but because you're right, I can sit here and it's so, it feels so uh, wimpy to be like, God loves you, you know, oh, but he, but he really does. So um, in, in healing ministry, actually, we spend a lot of time in healing ministry doing this very thing. So what happens as a healing minister uh, I meet with a person and, um, I, all, all my mission is, is to connect the person with God. And I become more like a spectator. I help by offering questions that the person can ask God. And, um, it's based very much in Ignatian spirituality. I don't know if you're very familiar with Ignatian spirituality, but he St. Ignatius was very much about God right now in your life. What's he doing? Where is he? And so healing ministry is very much that. So can I give you an example? That'd be great. Please let me give you an example. Okay. So, um, recently, (laughs) what if we said no? (laughs) Okay. Hold on. Start for one second. Listeners, you are listening to AM 1160, The Quest, your Catholic Atlanta radio station here in Atlanta with Melissa Foley, who is about to give us an example. An amazing example. <laughs> so one of the one of the exercises that we do in healing ministry is called um, your creation story. And this creation story is um, it is a prayerful moment that God tells you about 
the day, the moment that he first thought of you, mm. how he was, how he feels about you. Okay. So what God does is he utilizes our imagination. He sanctifies it and he utilizes our imagination. And, um, every single story is 100% different. Okay. They're all different because your relationship with God is completely unique. So the person we start out and we say, okay, this is a great, this is going to be a great prayer exercise for all of you listening. And, uh, this is what you do. You say, okay, I'm going to go to prayer and I'm going to ask God, uh, tell me about the day you created me. Now you can invite God to utilize your imagination, invite him in. And what he does is he takes what you already know, your, your experiences that you have already had in your life. And he puts them together to paint a picture for you, a story for you. So I'm gonna give you an example. Uh, the other day I, I was praying with a woman, praying with her. And when she asked God, tell me about, uh, my creation story. He took her to a river and he, he, there was a, a very beautiful river. Sun is shining. She can see both sides of the, the banks of the river. And Jesus is standing in the middle of the river with wading pants on with a fishing pole. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, where is this going? And she said, I can, you know, Jesus is standing there and he's standing in the water and he's radiant. He's so happy. So excited. And I was like, well, what's he excited about? She said, I don't know. So we, you know, we wait a little bit more and she notices on, in her imagination on the right hand side of her is uh, a rock, a big rock. And God, the father is there and he's bent over and he's working on something, but she can't tell what it is. Um, and we just are very patient and we just wait to see how the story unfolds because it's always a surprise. And so all of a sudden she can hear Jesus off in a distance saying, are you done yet? Are you finished? Is it done? Is it done? Is she done? And she glances over and sees that God, the father is making a fly, you know, like fly yeah, fishing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So he's working and working and working, taking forever. Like we're, I'm sitting there with her and we're like waiting and waiting. And, <laughs> when is he going to be finished with this fly? He thought the father's like, almost, I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. And, um, she said, it's like Jesus is so excited for me to be complete. And I and she said, it's because when the father gives me to Jesus, he'll be able to use me and to catch Aww. more fish. And I'm like, what? I mean, all of the every single story is like this. The Holy Spirit typically is there. Jesus is there. God, the father is there. Our lady can be there. Oh, wow. I mean, you name it. I mean, our Lord there. He he's so excited to communicate. But I can't tell a woman that story. She said, you know why that's important to me? Because my father used to take me fly fishing. Oh, wow. yeah. And that's how I bonded with my father. Mm. And so. I didn't know that. I had no idea. But but God, the father knows her. Yes. He knows how to reach her heart. And so she just sits there and the person, when they receive their story, they just sit there and it's it the amount and outpouring of love that a person feels when they know that God enjoys them, that he is excited about them, that he he, he would do anything for them. Yeah. There's no one on earth can tell you that it's like, 
it's, it's God, the father communicating that to you is the most profound experience of God's love that, I mean, I think you can have, Mm. you know, and Melissa, as you tell that story, so many elements of it are so beautiful, especially the personal part of it, right? That he painted that specifically, like you said, so it would prick her heart, touch her heart. She would know all the elements of why that's so important, but then it also is truth. Right. Mm-hmm. The truth. And we talk, we talk, um, we talk oftentimes too, uh, on the quest about how, uh, at the beginning of the catechism, it tells us we are co-laborers here in God's vineyard in God's kingdom. We are, and that's what we're talking about here in the family room. We're talking about the kingdom of God and we're co-laborers. And, and she's saying, yeah, God's got a purpose for me. He's got a plan. And he's got a purpose. And that's at the core of our identity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one other, um, example is, um, I was working with a young woman, early twenties, and she, um, was talking, she, she, she was concerned about her purpose. Like she didn't know what her purpose was. And so we went into prayer and I'm like, well, the, let's just ask Jesus what your purpose is, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't matter what I have to say about your purpose, but get this. So she, so she finds herself in a garden. And many times our Lord will take you back to your creation story to talk to you more about who you are. Mm. So he takes her back. She had a garden and her garden uh, was very beautiful. And there was a bench there. And, um, you know, we asked God, we asked Jesus, what is her, what is her, um, what is her purpose? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden in her imagination, in her prayer, she had a big, big, large book on her lap that was pouring out letters, you know, the alphabet and it was heavy. It was dark. She said, I do not want this book of purpose. I don't want this at all. And I said to her, whose book is that? That's not Jesus's book, but so whose book is it? And she said, this is my parents' book of expectations for me. And when that happened, I said, what would you like to do with that book? And she said, I don't want this book anymore. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm sure Jesus has a book for you, you know? And so he gives her, her, her book. And it was a very beautiful, amazing experience of her giving him, giving her her purpose. Um, but as a healing minister, my mission is to sit back and to say, does this align with church teaching? Does it align with scripture? Does it align with who we know God to be? Um, and just, you know, watching the flow of that mm-hmm. to make sure, because you're absolutely hundred percent right. Yeah. yeah. Does it have the markers? Right. Touch of our Lord. And the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So quickly that, that was a clear delineation, something she was or something she had. And you knew that that truly was not mm-hmm. what, it, like what she may have thought it was. What, what about that in our identity? Just in the last couple of minutes we got here before we take up our next show, the true self versus false self talk. Can you kind of just give us. So my, how did you know that that was not her book? That wasn't her book. Uh, I spent a lot of time praying. I spent a lot of time with our Lord and, and know him as know him as a as a person. I mean, it's like you would it's like you you would know your spouse. You know, you would know there. Well, they would not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would not do this. They would not do that. But also um, because of how she felt about it. When God gives, he gives very good gifts. Mm. When he pricks our consciences, he does do that, Mm -hmm. right? And he he does do that. And those are rules of St. Ignatius also. But that also has a very unique way of doing it. The father doesn't come in and lay down the hammer, you know? Mm -hmm. The father pricks our conscience. He might say something to us, but it's not, you, you, you don't necessarily 
feel like, get it away from me. This is awful. I don't want it near me anymore. So there's just aspects of who God is, um, and how, who he is and how he works with people that you, that I, you know, we just get, got used to. So today's world, a lot of fear, Mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety, are you telling us that's not from God? You know what, Craig? You are sharp. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, So it what is do we not. do with it real quickly in the last minute we have left? I mean, we're all overwhelmed by it, whether it's COVID or whatever. What's God telling us in the midst of that fear, in the midst of that anxiety? Uh, that also goes back to the question I think that you also asked, which is if you don't know who God is, that that's where your security comes from. Our security comes from knowing who he is. Who is he? He's our provider. He provides us all things. He's a good father. In fact, in, in scripture, he says, well, what, what father would mm-hmm. hand you a snake, a snake if you asked for a fish? He's a good father. He's a good father and he's going to provide. He also is a defender. I don't know if you've ever known the father as a defender, mm-hmm. as your defender before, mm-hmm. but that is uh, one of his a great attribute, but there are these attributes of God. He's omnipresent, right? He he's everywhere. He knows all things. Um, it's when we step into God, God's role that we get fearful and we get anxious and we're like, I need to know everything. I need to be everywhere. I need to, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when we step into that, that's when we go off the rails. So we just, how about our resolution for today is we let God be God and we be the little, his little child. Exactly. And let him take care of us. And that, is, us. that is a perfect way to finish our time together because we were talking about our identity, who we are. And that is who we are. We are all children of God and God equips us to be able to take on his purposes in this world and to bring his kingdom. So thank you, Melissa, for joining thank us you. here in the family room today. And listeners, we get great news for you. We get to have more time with Melissa because her stories have only just begun. And so when we come back with Melissa next time, please tune back in next week with us. She is going to be sharing with us even more practical tools, especially around how conversations can restore relationships. So today was how our identity in Christ will equip us for relationships. And next time it's going to be how conversations that we can have can restore and enhance relationships. So thank you so much, Melissa. If you'd like to learn more about Melissa Foley, check out our show notes at thequestatlanta.com in the family room. Listeners, please join us again next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com. 